0: from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. My shepherd, thank you for the grace that uh, kindles a fire in the hearts of men and children, causing us to yearn for perpetual eternal hills of Zion. I received that grace this morning. I recommend you to everyone listening, light a fire again, your fires again. Cause us to yearn for eternal truths and for the depths of Zion. This I ask in the precious name of Jesus. Father, let all who would hear these words today and eventually through different media, let their hearts glow with the same fires that glowed throughout eternity. When you spoke to men and our fathers in diverse ways at different times, the same fires that glowed in the hearts when the shepherds saw angels singing. This day in the city of David is born one who is to be the king. Same fires that burned in the hearts of the wise men as they traveled for months until they found the lad with his mother. Same fires that burned in the hearts of all who lived in Jerusalem. When you came riding upon a donkey and a foal of an ass, same fires that burnt in the heart of the centurion when you hung on the tree. And he said, Truly, this is the Son of God. Same fire, O oh Lord, the same fire. I melted the bitterness, the anger in soul of Tarsus' heart and converted him into your greatest apostle and advertiser let that fire be kindled tonight so hopelessness can turn to adventure we can't ask it of any other altar for only you have that ability and you are consistent in its delivery so we bow before you in humble submission let lost mandates be recovered Let busted dreams be reborn. I stand on the crossroads, Lord Jesus, and I declare this. Let this be a rallying point, a gathering, a restoring, a recovering place. Work so well as you always do, like a needle run through. Our hearts meeting together, bringing back order. Thank you. We know you never just do sufficiently, you do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably, far beyond and above all that we can think. Ask or imagine, always according to your power that's at work in us, by your word, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may please be seated. Hallelujah. When you come into church, you must listen to everything that is said. From the first prayer or from the point you meet it, you must listen. Always hoping, always studying, always learning to know the thread of the Spirit. What makes you a child of God and an operator of the kingdom, of his kingdom, of his dear son, is not how sinless your life is. The Bible takes whole portions, details the encounters between Moses and Pharaoh, it tells us of ten plagues, and theology cannot calculate how many months or how many weeks these encounters, la, encounters lasted. You know the plagues? If you read them, you think it happened in five days. Now, but theology tells us, no, periods passed. There were even times when Moses fled and hid because the assignment didn't seem like it was working. I mean, he went to Pharaoh and Pharaoh increased their tasks. And the people he was supposed to save actually came back to moses and said look we don't need this salvation we have mastered the status quo just leave us the way we are and the bible says that moses himself ran away and hid for a while so we do not know how long he hid and we do not know when next he came out but we just know that these occurrences were profound and jesus systematically demolished the Egyptian economy, the Egyptian political system, the Egyptian spiritual hierarchical system. He systematically destroyed it. Everything the people considered a God. Jesus frustrated it in the plagues. Frustrated them. The river Nile was mother Egypt. She was a life giver, life sustainer, maintainer. All their spiritual festivals coincided with her high tides and low tides and floods and all of that. And she ran through hundreds of kilometers of desert, bringing water where there should not be water at all. So her importance could not be overemphasized. On both sides of the Nile, she was considered a god. You know, from Sudan to Saudi Arabia, to Egypt, and to Uh, even the borders with Israel and God turned that river to blood so she was useless her fish died her frogs died her dragonflies could not find nesting places nothing survived and then she stank because she was so big her stench became the perfume of the land So no matter what you did, you couldn't escape from the death of the river. And when the prophet Isaiah would ask, Who has the power to pull Leviathan out of the river and lay him out to dry in the dust? So it's only God. He frustrated that God. He caused darkness to fall in the land and made a distinction. And tonight, uh, this morning, so you know pastors are always saying tonight, but it's always night and we always preach the day, you know, the light. So we stand there. Tonight or this morning, God's going to make a distinction in somebody's life. And this is, this is not a, a wish. I'm speaking prophetically to a specific person. You stand in the dark and God is going to draw a line. And there will be light in your land and darkness on the other side. And that was what the Lord did. And the darkness in the land of Egypt was so thick. You could cut it with a knife. You could touch it. It wasn't just normal night. They couldn't move. It was the kind of night that Moses was in. When he wrote for us the book of Genesis chapter 1. Moses said to God, show me your face. The Lord said to him, nobody would see my face and live. But I'm going to do you this favor. Because when you read it, you, may, you thought Moses meant show me your face. And some of us spent years praying, Oh Lord, I want to see your face. Now how, how big would the face of God look like if he was to show himself to you? Can you imagine? If you are carrying a baby in your womb, how does the baby describe you? <laughs> All he's conversant with is your belly. He doesn't know your liver, your heart, doesn't know your spleen, your pancreas, doesn't know your spinal cord. Doesn't know what is inside and doesn't know how you look facially out here because we see you outside. So the Greek poet said, In him we live and move and have our being. You can't describe what you live in. We are inside this room. You can only describe what you see, but you can't describe the room in and out as you are. It it swallowed you. So the Lord now says to Moses, But there is a rock beside me. I'm going to cleave that is up a boulder and God was going to cut it like a stick of butter and God was going to take this knife and split that rock rock igneous no cracks nothing and he would hide Moses in there and he said and I'm going to cover you and then I would make my glory pass before you now then that gives us a clue to what Moses was really asking for Moses wasn't asking to see the face of God have you moved? He wasn't. What he was asking for. Is what Peter tells us later. That the fathers sought. With tears. To know the kind of redemption. That the spirit of Christ. Was witnessing. About. Peter says the patriarchs. They wept. And what were they looking for? Just explain to us. What is this thing? How will these things end? That's what Moses was asking for. And that's what the Lord was saying to him. You won't live long enough. According to the tenure of life on earth, there is a portion given to you and you will do it until you die. Do you understand me? Then you would be seeing the unfolding of the full picture. It is considering that full picture that Hebrews 11 tells us that although these patriarchs went through this, through that, through that, through that, but God left a better thing for us so that in spite of their faithfulness, they without us cannot inherit the fullness of it. Can you imagine how great God is? Think about what Abraham had to do. He had to destroy his father's idol shop kill the business, and then take off. And the father, business was so killed, the father had no past, no present. The only future he had was with this boy. So they escaped literally. They left Ur of the Chaldeans. So in that darkness, when God closed Moses in there, God made his glory pass. But the darkness was so thick. It was not night. This was Darkness. And Moses screamed, HELP! Then he heard God in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was without form, void. Darkness covered it. That's the darkness God brought to Egypt. Because every time he's recreating and doing the new creation, that darkness drops. It's a demarcation between him. It's called the mystery of iniquity. It's so dark, no language can describe it. From time to time, the situations in life that we fall in, they permit us to catch a glimpse of that abyss. And that's just what it is a glimpse. It is from that terror we run to the arms of Jesus and we keep running to the voice of his word. It is because of that when we fall we never cease to jack up ourselves again and keep what? Running. Because you can't give up. You can't afford it. It's not a decision. If it's just a decision of yours to live, you would soon give it up. <laughs> but this one is, you know, is the, is the eternal journey, an eternal invitation. So, that was how Moses wrote Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Those, that's the first book. It's the first book of the Bible. Those, those five chapters are the first book Literally. Haven't you wondered who was there to record it? And the Bible speaks with an alacrity, and an authority that belies the fact that the genius, the master creator is the one talking. What's your name, ma'am? Zoe? The Bible doesn't say, in the beginning I created Zoe, and then when I sat down, I I was doing the chemistry of her uh, of her makeup and then I brought two atoms of hydrogen and you know just to show that he's the chemist no god doesn't have to say that when I look at your son, you don't have to say um, it was the 29th of May because the Lord gave me the revelation of when the baby seed. And when I was with my wife and we were in uh, Madagascar and, uh, and I just said to her, baby, can we go in and, and just chat, you know, uh, just spend a few minutes together. You, you know, you don't have to say all of that to say that's my baby. All you need to say is who, oh, that's my first son. And everybody goes, wow. Yeah, he looks, do you understand me? With the, with the finality, with the authority of the owner. All of us were shivering when we went to ask our wives' hands in marriage. But after, the girl said yes. And the pastor said, now I pronounce you man and wife. Then we began to say, hey, now, nah, now nah, wait till they do for there now. The same girl you were saying, okay oh girl, I'm going to die if you don't give me the answer. You say, hey, well, 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 I'm talking to you and you're going out of the door. She says, oh, me? Because you are talking like you're talking to you, you're, you're brawling with a brawler in a beer parlor or something. Do you get what I'm saying? Take your time, oh. Don't think I'm joking with you. Look at my eye very well. When you see my eye, don't drop. Make you chill. Uh-huh. The same girl. We used to tremble. Honey, haven't you finished praying? <laughs> You know girls that tell you give me time let me pray <laughs> and then we come and said, God is not deaf but you are scared not to say it so that she doesn't get angry now I say okay because you said that I'm not doing so you, you keep it to yourself and you whisper to your friends oh, I don't even if you understand the girl, I don't know is God deaf doesn't he hear she's, she's been praying for two weeks now <laughs> and I'm dying Especially when you hear that they saw Johnny's car near her house. You get Because you know Johnny. Johnny is, not, is no good. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So God didn't. The Quran, the Quran, and several other religious books, they try to tell you the story. Like one of the religious books tells us the story of the first marriage. It says that. Um, can I, can I use you for a drama? Come, uh, come, come, that, Yeah. I always like dramatizing. The Bible says that, um, Tosi Martins, come and play God. So this is your daughter, Eve. And then this is me, Adam, right? And, and, I, and I'm walking in the garden. And just walk past with her. Hold her hand. She's your daughter. So you are chatting. Just walk past like that. Just this way. This way. <laughs> this way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Adam is walking. Daddy, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> this, what is this? <laughs> Who is this? This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He goes, Can I have her for a companion? <laughs> no, no, that's not what the Quran says. <laughs> it says that when Adam stretched his hands to touch the girl, go, 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 stop that. Have you given me any dowry? And then Adam says, but. You just created me. I don't have anything. Then God said, praise me. So Adam said, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Seven times. And God said, okay, that's all right. You can have her. <laughs> so sweetheart, you're signed, sealed, delivered. You're all mine. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, you know, when revelation emanates from the sensual, you have to then try to make it sound reasonable. Because that account is trying to tell you why you should believe that it was God who instituted marriage. But you know, the Bible's account is different. He just says, I created the heavens and the earth. And then he said, He created them by His word. Just spoke. He didn't leave His thrones with that. When He made the sun, as big as it is, he didn't leave his throne when he created vegetation, flora, fauna. When he created the fish, the birds to come out of the water. He didn't leave his throne. Just follow me. only time he left his throne, Bobby, was when he said, let us make Bobby. In our image, in our very likeness. He stood up. Because you, you are Him. The embodiment of him. And then he created man's spirit. Because God is spirit. And that man existed in God. Before he was physically sin. Then in chapter 2. When the man was to be visible. Because God is spirit. But he can reveal himself. And his plan is to always reveal himself. That's the reason why he put on flesh and came as Jesus. When it was time for the man to be revealed. That man was already created. He was in existence. Then God now stood up again. Caused a mist to rise on the earth and water the ground. And then when the ground was moist. Formed this body. Look at it. Alive. See it. Supple. Soft. it's not dry clay this is living clay formed man then kissed man lips to lips nose to nose and then pumped in what he was carrying inside that is that man occupy your house and begin to vibrate like me that's the reason why we vibrate if you could check the molecules of your skin they are vibrating you can see life how alive it is it's so fast is faster than light. It's the speed of life. Angels also vibrate. Spiritual things vibrate as well. In fact, angels vibrate faster than we do. We have to take six hours to fly to England. Angels could do that in a nanosecond, back and forth. That's what gives them the the invincibility. It makes them look like they are omnipresent. But angels are not omnipresent. But They move from you to me 10,000 times in a nanosecond that as i'm feeling them you are feeling them so you are thinking they are everywhere that's what that's what satan uses satan makes you think he's everywhere but he's not he's a fallen angel only god jesus is everywhere at the same time so god speaks with that authority doesn't speak like a man <laughs> If you meet a great cook, they don't sit down to describe how they cooked what they cooked. You are biting your fingers and saying, "Wow, this is delicious!" <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank God you enjoyed it. But in you know this. we tell you, you know, when I first of all I put the pot on fire, and the fire fire was at twenty two degrees, because if you put it a little more, the pan will heat up too much, and by the time you add the water, the water will lose. It's like my baby, my daughter. The first time she was to plant a bean, I gave her two beans. She she packed a whole bunch. I said, no, you don't put all of them in a hole. It's just two. Two is enough. And she says, why, daddy? I said, because that's how we do it. Just two beans. And when you drop them in that hole there, they will die. And out of one of them, you know, a sprout. Then she went to the dust bin behind the house. We were living at a compound that had this dust heap that had already uh, become humus over the years. And then I told her, we have to get some of that soil, and we got it. And then she dug a little hole and put that humus there. And then and I now and I said, she said, but daddy, they said we should water it. I said, yes. And my daughter went and brought a whole bucket. I said, no, no. <laughs> Just two beans. You drown them. <laughs> and then she poured a little and she said, Are you sure this is okay? I say, Yes. I said because she wants it to grow. I said it will grow. And then she dug it open and poured the two beans inside and covered them. And, and then we went back inside. And we didn't see Sally. She was sitting on the chair, on top of the chair, looking out the window, watching for the bean to sprout. Because she had just come from integrated science class. And so, I said, no, 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 it doesn't sprout in a day. She give it time. I showed her from the Bible. Jesus said, you plant, then you sleep and wake up, sleep and wake up. She said, in one day, I said, no, many days. And one day, you just find it sprouted. But my daughter wasn't happy. She was restless. So, she did like she was listening to me. Snuck out through the back door and went and opened the ground to see whether the seed has started decaying. And she covered it. She did like maybe 20 times in one day. So I told her, that's the surest way to make sure the bean doesn't sprout. And then when the bean finally sprouted, if Sally told you the story, it could last two days. You see, and so, when I came, I told my daddy. And then my daddy told me. And then we say, let us go and take uh, the shovel. Let us go and do this. And she would tell. The, because, you know, this is the first thing she's created. She's trying to make you know. Like, I own. But then now, she would farm maybe like a hectare of beans. Do you get know what I'm saying? And so... It's no big deal again. She talks with authority. Oh, we found our farm and we got uh, 10 bags of beans, 8 bags of soya beans, and uh, 15 bags of corn. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the way she talks now, with finality. That's how the Bible is written. That's the reason why Christians without understanding sneak off to read occultic books because those books describe in detail certain things and they think the Bible is shallow. No, it's not shallow. It's the stamp of authority. The man saying, I own it. And he's the one that revealed it to Moses. So Moses wrote it. And the children of Israel received it. So when he said, I want to see your face, he was asking, let me see how these things will end. Bring it, let's finish it. Daniel asked the same thing. And the Lord told him, he says, no, Daniel, it's not for you. Your generation won't finish it. You would also die. And, but then the generation that will come for these things, in their time you will rise up amongst them in the resurrection. And so they died in hope. It's very vital. Because I started by telling you that when you get into church, why we come to church is to learn the thread of the spirit. The thread. This book you are holding, the Bible, reveals to you what? The thread of the spirit. Mastery in recognizing and identifying the thread of the spirit is what bestows upon you the proficiency that makes you a master, custodian of his kingdom, power, and glory. It's a distinguishing factor. This is what distinguishes three men who start the journey together. And then after a while, one of them steps out and he sounds like he's the great-grandfather of all three of them. And the other two may be seemingly doing better. But every time this one opens his mouth, people say, (laughs) this is what made Jesus who he was. When they heard Jesus, they said, this one is not quoting authorities. This one is talking like he owns it. I came with a few prayers for you today. My first prayer is, Lord, I want to own your word. Can you pray that? Lord, I want to own your word. I want to speak your word like I own it. I want to understand you. I want to carry your authority. When I sing, when I read, when I think, when I pray, when I talk to men. Let that authority, that unmistakable authority of your presence be there. This is what you carry as a yearning yearning in your heart. And the Lord is responding to it. Own the scripture. Some of you have locked yourself up for weeks. Hoping that when you studied and came out, you would be deadly. No, no. This desire is bursting in you for you to keep eternally. I want to own your word. And I thank God because your word says, I'm a hair of God. And a joint hair with Christ. So you own it. So now Lord, I want you to say, I receive the faith of the Son of God to be conscious that I own your word. Hallelujah. That's the first prayer I brought for you so Paul said to Timothy in chapter 2 and I'm going to go there and read shortly but why I started speaking about the threat of the spirit was because when we were reading the poem on Ecclesia Hills we alluded to several scriptures one of which was quoted more copiously than others Isaiah 55 come and buy buy of me without money it's free but it's eternal in its value how, how is it that some of the most powerful, most valuable things in our lives, they came free? You know, one of my best gifts is my wife. You know, this awesome woman. You know, she has disbelieved and rebelieved and disbelieved and disbelieved and then re-believed and rebelieved and rebelieved in me again, time and again, and with no reason. She didn't give birth to me. She just fell in love with me on the highway. You know? She believed in me, just believes in me. When I fail, she gets very angry and disbelieves and tells me I've fallen out of love. In fact, I've jumped out of love. In fact, I've flown out of love with you. And then I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say, sorry. And she comes back and says, okay, I I re-fall again. (laughs) Sometimes she says it in words. Sometimes she says it in actions. But how much did I pay? Nothing. And you know what? Her father trained her for me. Because every competence she has, the family put it in there for me. She's an accountant, so she brings to bear. She played basketball, so she brings to bear. They trained her in several things. Do you understand me? I'm just milking the cow. I wasn't there at uh, the giving birth of the cow, the nurturing of the cow, and everything, you know. Then, but but look again, bigger bigger gifts that sprang out of her, my children, and they came very cheap, free. I tell you the truth, the cost of taking your wife to maternity and coming back with a baby is nothing compared to when you return with a baby. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> So you're thinking, when my my daughter was born, I stood there crying like a fool. And I told the Lord, why are you doing this to me? Why are you giving me a human being to keep? I'm a destroyer by nature. I'm a pollutant. I'm like the five lepers, the fingers of a leper that Bola Ege spoke about. A leprous hand, when it touches you, it, it pollutes you. It corrupts you. I'm profane. I can't, I, can't, I can't be consistent in one day. There's nothing I can be consistent to. You're not the one telling me. I'm the one telling myself. I know me, TM. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, <coughs> and you know it was just a, an accident. I, I don't have the liver to be there when a woman is giving birth. I'm not that romantic. I'm not emotional. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I don't like lying in states. And I asked the Lord, why don't I like it? He said, why do you want to remember a person dead? So I said, ah, that's a good reason. So I begin to tell people. So when my dad died, there was no lying in state. I told my brother, as if you can't handle it, you don't know what he looks like now. You're not going to be looking at this body. And that's what is pursuing you every night. Please, please, if you can't handle it, leave it. So we just locked up the box and then, you know, did the service. I told them, he's not there. That's his body. When my mom died, the same thing. I wasn't in the hospital. I would left. When I said, okay, take, take her to the mortuary and then uh, uh, fix the body and everything. And that's all. But then the doctor said my daughter, my wife had to be induced. And I said to him, no, no. I received this girl's names three years before she was conceived. The Lord told me a girl is coming. These are her names. The mother doesn't have to be induced. There's not going to be CS. This is not the type. <laughs> do you, hear what I'm saying? you know, you can do that. Shorten the journey for yourself. Ask the Lord, who is coming next? What is he going to be like? What is she going to be like? What should we prepare? And when they tell you that his name will be Samson or he'll be a Nazarite, a Nazarite, and you, mommy, don't drink anything alcoholic, don't touch anything, you know, you already know who is coming. So are you now praying for, oh Lord, let the delivery be safe? When he, an- he has announced to you who is coming? You don't need to worry about safe delivery. He gives it as a right to parents. So the doctor left and said, well, pastor, when I'm talking science, you'll be talking spirits. So let me leave you. And he left and he told the head nurse, he said, begin to set up the drip for the induction. I said, okay, let her be setting up. As the doctor was driving out of the hospital, my wife shouted, honey, my baby is here. The head is here. And we ran in. Me and the only auntie that was with me and here was my baby coming out. Poop, she just if we hadn't been on time because the nurse wasn't there. She was fixing drip. So we caught my baby and held her. And that was when I started crying. Cuz the baby was crying and in my auntie's hands and And then I said, give her to me. And she just, she kept quiet and was shivering. Like trying to turn her head. The Lord said, I told you, she knows your voice. Because I prophesied things to her, which he told me. And the Lord said, I told you, she knows your voice. It's a different breed. People like you, Bobby, don't give birth to mere children. Do you understand me? People like us, don't give birth to Peking. Not possible. It's not possible. You don't. Hear me, sir? You can't give birth to a Pekin and also run. He attended St. Finbarrs and then went to St. Greg's and finished in King's College and then he even went for evening lessons at Queen's School. No, not you. What you are giving birth to carries the keys that would unlock the womb of whole generations. By reason of your history, you yourself know it. The hand of the Lord that's upon you. Now, but listen. <laughs> when you think like this, sweetheart, you stop worrying about, why are my things always different? Why? If you were Mary, how would you feel? You are walking down the street. They say, see her, she's pregnant. Oh? And she says, the Holy Spirit. It's not fun, is it? I don't know. You don't know. That's why he's called scandalon. That's the Greek word for him. It's just a scandal. How many of you have tried to escape scandal and it just follows you? You tried me, me, me. I'm chief. Two hands, two legs lifted up. That's why I was a natural candidate for him. Because in him. All the treasures of God are made manifest for me. Through him, I've received redemption and resurrection. Prior to that time, I never had a consistent period of purity. If purity meant focus to one dream, I am the guy that starts a journey, weeks, continues into sin, and aborts it in the way. Naturally, I abort naturally. I don't hold things and excel in them until full fruition. If I hit a jackpot and a second one in business, by the third one, I've gone off to play. When I return, 11 jobs and things have passed because I spent time playing. Do you get what I'm saying? I am the guy. That's my story. So the thread of the spirit is God's ticket to bringing you to his kingdom and giving you access to operate his power. That's the reason why when the spies got to Jericho, they ended up in the house of a gigolo. This woman, Rehab, her business was not just sleeping with men. She arranged things for people. And the guys came to her house and then she hid them. She had harvested flax, the tall plant. And you rip them and you fill up your ceiling with them and she hid the spies in the flags and they asked her why are you doing this she said no 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 for 40 years now the news in Canaan and Palestine has been the news of the travails of Egypt not you guys oh. we have just seen the calamity that befell Egypt their river turned to blood frogs lies on their bodies boils darkness hail fire ran on the ground like a human being and it was avoiding you people's land the economy in, in under pharaoh wrecked the growth and development of that nation terminated and finally you guys stood poised at the red sea for annihilation The worst form of genocide that would have ever been recorded. Because Pharaoh was out for blood. You took away their firstborn. And then at that sea, whatever happened? A whole army of solid, able-bodied men. Do you know how many widows were left in Egypt that day? How many orphan children? Anwar Sadat faced that same challenge in the Six-Day War. He lost about 30,000 troops, Egyptian soldiers, in one day. And the battle hadn't really started. <laughs> That's why he called the Americans said, let's go to Camp David and sign the peace treaty. He was the first Arab nation to endorse the existence of Israel. Every Arab nation's constitution starts with we are vowing to destroy the Zionist entity. And what Sadat said, nobody has a right Bobby to lose 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 able-bodied work of his workforce and then continue. That's not a war. I mean, first 30 minutes, 7-0. Every move they make ends up in your net. Is that a game? That's, you don't say that was... In the, in the clash between the uh, <laughs> be Bombers and Apapa Raiders. Ah, and they have not gone to first half. 7 0. It's not basketball. It's not netball. It's not volleyball. It's not table tennis. If I'm the one, I will just carry my boots <laughs> and begin to go. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't know how some people finish the game, so. There's, which, which is it? Panama, England beat them. How many? <laughs> Although that is their first World Cup. If I was them, we just lift up our boots and tell the whole fans, "Yeah, we made it. We came." <laughs> but there's no need because an embarrassment. Future generations of Panamanian footballers will not even start, so that they don't end up getting 30 something. If that game really, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So how much time do we have in this service? Okay, we're closing at about seven, yeah, in the evening. Then we'll have dinner here. I'm inviting you to this dinner. <laughs> Hallelujah. well let me round up. So the spice, the spice asked her, Why are you doing this? Rehab, you know what she told him? She said, for 40 years. We have been reading the anthology of the destruction, systematic destruction and dismemberment of Egypt. And do you know till today, Egypt is one of the largest, most powerful Arab nations in population, resources and everything. But they are not a world power. They are not even a mover, even in the Arab world. And this is not the Egypt God dealt with. Oh, it's just the Egypt area. And Rahab said, don't you realize that you have been the de facto news for 40 years? But you know, at the time she was, she was saying, we were studying you people. Do you know what they were spending that 40 years doing? Complaining. Yeah, yeah. No tomatoes. What kind of nonsense? We we'll just be tricking here? Tracking up and down. Even common garlic. What? You don't say they talk. Say garlic. It purify the blood. See how our blood is not even pure. How did they see their blood? <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Cucumber. Where would they normally... Charlie, you remember now? Would they put cucumber for inside water? Where would we would put it in that big bottle with ice inside? So when you just enter the pallor, you just at least take a sip. And then you move on and with a spice and with mint ah and watermelon oh my god was what they spent they told god we haven't eaten bread bread should be your word later will say that miracles are like children's bread if there's no bread in the house children cry god said okay i'll rain you manna when they ate manna ate it after some time they say, they made a food and inside the bread sandwich." What kind of useless thing is this? Just dry bread. Okay, we agree. It's a new bread. We don't even know what to call it. So we have to call it manna. What is this bread? That's the meaning. And then God said, okay, you want meat for sandwiches? They said yes. And then he rained it down. And then finally, I said, water, water, water. We don't chop sandwich. Moses, you don't know the bread, they try to We've been drinking. God said to Moses, speak to the rock. And they drank the water. And they said, ah, that's all right." Then they checked a little distance and they found water. Moses, taste it. You yourself taste it. This water is bitter. You must drink it. And then God said to Moses, break that tree, that branch, throw it in. Mirroring Christ. Always. Telling them of the future. Are you following me? So, Whilst other people were thinking, You are a star, oh girl, the way things are working for you, you have it together, everything, blah, blah, you are busy telling God, Oh God, how long do something new in my life? Something that's can you imagine? That's our life, fallen, carnal, and yet we are custodians of spiritual truth, and reality. We use everything for a mistake. I mean, for for an excuse. If it was a different leader and not Moses, (laughs) the way I would have served God. (laughs) Can you imagine a man who cannot even finish a verse? He will be stammering. And I, I, and I, even if you help him say the Lord, he will say yes. Because if he doesn't say it, he's not happy. What kind of man is that? Couldn't God have, Aaron would have been better. Aaron was a Yoruba guy from Obama. He asked the people for their necklaces and their gold and they made the golden calf. When Moses came and said, Aaron, why did you do this? He said, it's not me, it's the people. He said, they brought their gold, we threw it into the fire and out jumped the golden calf. The golden calf jumped out of the fire. It's only a Yoruba man that can prophesy to that level. They conjure all kinds of things. After all, they are the ones who gave us a gungung. A masquerade that would jump and sit in the air. (laughs) Do you get what I'm saying? So a golden calf jumping out of the fire. Wow. (laughs) Then the woman said, So, when we were hearing your legend, man of God, it compelled us to make a decision. I made the decision to escape with you. Do you know, that's what she said. The entire Jericho from the king the least, knew the same story. We are all faced with the same decision. At least save yourself. If you don't care about saving other people, self-preservation is naturally born. It's innate. Yesterday, I heard the Lord because I I, I was at a funeral a few days ago and I've been thinking of funeral messages and the termination of life and the end of life since then. And the Lord said to me, how stupendously stupid can a man be? I just saw the word intoxicate. We were at a conference and my daughter Vicky was singing and she was saying, intoxicate me. (laughs) Intoxicate me. And I sat down there thinking, what is she saying? intoxicate toxin is not good now something that is toxic is deadly but it's incorporated in that word somebody seeks to intoxicate i mean you ingest <laughs> and i asked the lord what kind of brain did i have because the damage i did to this body only his word can put it back together and i met a girl who was celebrating how she used to smoke because her dad was a smoker and she was a chain smoker too and that was why i wept when i i looked at my daughter's face i said to god this is a trap because this girl is going to be copying me i don't have to teach her anything do you get what i'm saying I heard this girl say when her dad dropped his cigars and was out of the house she would go into his bedroom lock the door and the room was always smelling of smoke anyway and smoke and so the mom didn't know because the house was naturally smoke full when I entered my room which guys you guys graciously provided for me yesterday. I, I noticed it was a smoke-free room. And they actually wrote me a note and said, If you smoke in this room, we would add a few $150 charged to your final bill for the deep cleaning that would be necessary to purge the room of that smell. See, how many toxins do we take? Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time to gather and a time to scatter. I'm talking about at the level of just self preservation. So that woman was the only one that made the choice. You know why? The rising up of Moses, rise up, Ma. The rising up of Moses, even in Egypt, was a compellant. Do you know what it compelled, compelled people to do? To make a choice. It wasn't only Jews that came out of Egypt. The Bible says a mixed multitude. Every nationality that was tired of Pharaoh saw this other rulership and they said, we prefer this. And so they tore their passports and followed Pharaoh. They also became Jews that day. All kinds of people, blacks, whites, everything that was in Egypt followed. Because their civilization was like ours. Everywhere the grass is greener, people flock there. Migration didn't start now. Now. Do you understand me? So Moses led 1.6 million men able to draw bow to battle, in battle. But they were not all Hebrews. Your rising up is always a compulsion in the lives of every. Every man that meets you is compelled to make a decision. What am I going to do with you? You are an opportunity to either build you, destroy you, support you, malign you. It's always a decision. Compulsion. You are a sword. Thank you, man. I just spoke to you. Do you get what I'm saying? Are you following me? No, no. So, so the woman now says... Make an agreement with me. I want to be your kind. I want the kind of things that happen in your life to be happening in my life. I don't like fighting. I like being fought for. And I've watched you. You are the only guys that don't fight. Someone else is fighting for you. Potiphar's wife said to Joseph, lie with me. He said, why should I do that and hurt God and your husband? And mythology tells us that one day he was cleaning the shrine room. And Potiphar's wife came and met him there. And Potiphar's wife said, see, she removed her wrap and put it over her idol's face. And she was naked under. And she said, I've covered his face. He can't see. So let's do it. And Joseph said to her, don't you understand? This is the work of your hand. You're crafting The God I'm talking about is the God who sees and hears and knows whether you are in a closed room or on the highway. And the woman said, what kind of God is that? And we are the greatest civilization. We have studied all the gods, but we have never known this. So they named him Zephanath Paneah, the God who sees and hears, who knows. Hagar named him El Elohi Israel. She, she said, Beelahai Roy. She, she got a well and she called it to the one who sees me in every situation. Beelahai Roy. They were unbelievers. But when they met him, compulsion. Joel says, And I'll bring you to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And they call it the valley of weeping or the valley of decision. I want this, your God, to fight for me. Because, guys, let me tell you something. We're in a war. We're locked up in a war. And that war that we're locked up in, you cannot fight it the way you are. It's not an ordinary war. The weapons that are being deployed against you, you don't know them. You can't see them. If it was iron, you would know what other weapon to counter with. The forces that come against you, they don't have a name. You don't know where they live. And they are indefatigable. They never get tired. So you understand, you are not fighting with people that get tired. They are spirits. Spirits. It's no ordinary war. And you can't fight them with ordinary gabardine. You don't dress up the way you want and think that this dressing would give you victory or this dressing or his dressing or her dressing or his. No, 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 no. Whether you have a beard or you are clean shaven, it don't matter. This war is supernatural. It's not ordinary. And I don't preach about Satan. I don't preach about demons. But I'm telling you, you can only fight this war when you are properly dressed. That's why Ephesians six says, "Put on the whole armor." What kind of war is this, doing? Sometimes you wake up and everybody, your acquaintances, are dead. You touch Tosi Martins; he doesn't. He's telling you, "I give up." There's no encouragement for you. What's your name, sir? Emeka. You touch Emeka. There's no encouragement. He says, "You have. You are still fighting." So then you wake up; you are alone. What kind of war is that? Then you have to draw encouragement from inside you. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. You must be a believer. Such a believer that you would decide I will not quit. It's your decision. Nothing else is encouraging you. That's why the preacher said, if your spirit is broken, sit down. If your spirit is broken, then who can help you? You can't comfort a person who says I give up. And the only secret the only secret access to this weaponry that jesus so blatantly brought to light from the grave is by mastering the thread of the spirit unknown to the girl as she was telling them the story of their life that was the secret answer to the immigration question that would give you access to this green card, membership of his kingdom, is custody of his story, understanding the thread of the Spirit. So you know what they said to her? On the day we come, hang a red cloth, thread, they called it a scarlet thread, down your window, It couldn't have been a little thread, sir, because this is a whole wall. The legend of the wall is is written in ancient history. So it had to be like a bed sheet, you know, but she threw it down, a red thread. And they said, if we see it, you will be spared, you and those in your house. Now, what does that mean? It means when you come into a service, listen from the crack of the door. So when the bass guitar is tuning with the keyboards and the guitars, you don't understand anything about tuning, but you are just listening to the first prayer that is said, to the instructions that are given, and then you begin to decipher the thread of the Spirit. So when they give you the microphone, you don't manufacture a new thing and say, oh, there was a compelling reason to share from a fish. No, no, there's no compulsion here. You just follow what? The thread of of the spirit, then when we when we become masters of following the thread of the spirit, a formidable house is built. Are you following me? It is it is mastery of this thread that that gives you access to membership. So you fall, but the righteous rises. How many times? Seven times. You know why? Because he is irrevocably committed to advertising this life. To advertising this new life. To advertising this path. To advertising these truths. So that others too can be hearing like Rahab for 40 years. Until it becomes their turn to make the choice and cross the line. Some people would always follow. Even though they were not born to follow. They were born to lead. Let me ask you sir. If... If your wife gave birth to a lion as the firstborn, what would the secondborn be? An antelope? Maybe a lion. What would be the thirdborn? What would the fourthborn be? Answer me. When the firstborn is a lion, what's the secondborn? The thirdborn. The fourthborn. The fifthborn. If the firstborn is a snake, what would the secondborn be? The thirdborn. Answer me, the fourth born. Then if the first born is an antelope, what would the second born be? And the third born, and the fourth born, and the fifth born. Now if the first born is Jesus Christ, what would the second born be? And the third born, and the fourth born. Answer me. Are you scared? Because that's your identity. He says we are hairs and joint hairs with Christ. A joint heir, even when he is adopted, has equal rights. So you are called to lead. But all of us like to follow. That's actually why I told Pimo, said I could roam. I said, no, is that the pulpit? I will start at the pulpit. Because some of your senses will be violated if I didn't stand behind the pulpit. You know, we, just, we did a funeral. Do you know what someone said to me? Even at breakfast today, I just left here and I thought, oh, let, let me walk into break. I wasn't really hungry, but I said, let me get, get in there. And I saw this gentleman, and he's obviously, you know, about 70. says they were mates with the guy we buried. And, and he said to me, I, I, when I saw him, I heard his accent. It was obviously not Nigerian. So I thought, oh, he looks familiar. But as I was talking to my daughter and singing her happy birthday, only for her to tell me, daddy, it's tomorrow, not today. I said, well, it doesn't matter. It's because I love you. <laughs> you can take it, in case I forget tomorrow, (laughs) you know and then when I finish talking, the guy just says to me, good morning pastor (laughs) and because I could, pastor, how do you know me, he said, he was my friend you buried the other day, and he said he said, you know, I I enjoyed your message and one of my friends said to me that he likes the fact that you said this is a homily can you imagine can you imagine I just said, it's a homily. And the man said, wow, this is a great preacher. He did hear this, the homily. You know why? He later told me, he said, I am a Catholic. And I'm a conch Catholic. This is a 70-year-old man talking to me. He said, and I'm unrepentant. In fact, he listed the churches that he helped start. And he said, I finally returned to the Catholic church. But when you use the word homily today... he said now i'm even reconsidering because i know i'm not getting anything in the catholic church so i'm beginning to reconsider because of your message but the message is what he didn't tell me the message he didn't tell me the verse of scripture i quoted he didn't tell me the truth that we are communicated he didn't tell me what he derived from it but that i wore the right dress on it and i called it what homily So some people would be offended if I wasn't standing behind the pulpit. And that's why I went to the pulpit. Paul says I became all things to all men. Just to help your faith. But as we began to progress revelatorily, you began to make the migration. And that is what I needed. So we call today start again. Why do we say start all over? It's a nature. We are calling forth the nature of the new creation. To spring out of you. In the new creation. There is no even giving up. In the new creation. You fall every time. But something inside of you is saying get back up. I had a friend who was already mentally stricken. While we were in university. And. And. We could enter the girls' hostels that time. So he would just enter the girls' hostels and be following, the, he'd be sniffing and following the aroma of cooking. Then when he passes a girl's door, and you know girls like to ventilate their rooms as they are cooking, so they leave the door open and the windows open, you get what I'm saying? So, so, but they are cooking, and the, this aroma is just wafting all over. And when he finds a, one girl just alone in her room cooking, he'll just enter and say, hey, Give me some. And he would act mad. You know, he would wear his. There was, there was this reggae star then. He was called Doc Alimentado. Doc Alimentado had an album called The Best Dressed Chicken in Town. So he would wear his tie as long as his knees, you know, and wear some sloppy stilettos and be walking like a, you know. You know so, so this guy would walk like that and give the impression he was insane. I suspected to some degree that Dexy wasn't really that insane. He was just using it as an occasion. So he would just enter your room with a broken bottle, and then maybe something and just say, hey, serve me. Then the girl will be, please, don't hurt me. Don't do anything. But he has read the floor. The floor is empty of people. You are the only one cooking. That's why he's doing that. Then when he has finished eating, he will walk off. So one Edo girl. <laughs> you know where the salvation will always come from? They come from deadly places. Imagine, Adam Zosomoli has taken over APC, wearing soup. <laughs> you know, so, so, one Edo girl, he had done that one too many times. And so she told some of her Edo boys. Aigbe, eh, Yale Kwe, You know, those when you hear their names. Eboigbe. You know, that time, all our defenders were from one area, the Midwest. <laughs> you hear Sunday and Stephen Kessie was the only free, uh, psychedelic name, all the other guys when you hear their names, you, you, just, you just hear like that, the, the British had a defender before, his name was Terry uh, Butcher so when they say and Butcher is after him, and Butcher is after him, he's got the little Buddha the little Buddha was uh, this guy that played for Italy, what was his name the guy with the ponytail he lost the penalty, anyway um, huh Bajo, Bajo, yeah, yeah. Butcher always got people like Bajo. He got them down. Butcher was a butcher. When he's pursuing you, he runs like a, a guy from Ibadan. These are his answers. <laughs> you know, Leventis Football Club of Ibadan. This is how they run. They fold their trousers, their short knicker, and pursue you. So you know you're in soup. If they miss the ball. They will not miss the leg. <laughs> The Edo girl arranged with some Edo boys, and they said, Okay, okay, whenever he shows up, just calm him down and then let us know. So when he came, she said, Ah, you have come. I put extra. So he he chilled. He didn't, this one, he He just dropped his bottle and then was waiting for the food. And so when she went out, he didn't suspect. He just thought, "Ah, This one, she don't already add me for her budget. You understand what I'm saying? And then she called the boys. So these the two boys came. You know, they, they came from St. Greg's, all those schools with boxing in their sports. You know, they, they jacked this boy up. They said, What are you doing there? He tried to do something. They gave him one blow. Ay, 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 Dexy. We call him Dexy. He fell to the floor. <laughs> then they kicked him. They carried him up, gave him body slam. See him on the ground. Three Edo boys boxing the daylights out of him. And you know what he was saying? Papa Dexy is on the floor, but Papa Dexy is not out. (laughs) (laughs) They gave him a kick. He said, you can kick me many times, but when I bounce back. (laughs) He was bleeding and telling them, "You, I notice you. When I get up, you see yourself. After sometimes the boys looked at us and said, the you don't crazy So they told the girl, they said, hey, This is a madman. See the way we are beating And he stood up and he battered. Then he stood up and left. Papa Dex is beaten but not defeated. <laughs> <laughs> he said, look at me seven times. I'm a perfect gentleman. One, eh? Two, eh? Three. So the guys were laughing. They were asking the girl, No madman, no italasmo, come beat. <laughs> I like the fact that he said it. beaten but not defeated. On the ground. But looking forward to standing up. Do you understand me? It's naturally born. It's innate in the new creation. We are the new creation. This is the task that you have. The task is to advance the cause of the gospel. To repeat that gospel. That sound. That poem, that song, that trumpet, that whatever, opera, to repeat it everywhere. On the mountaintops, in the valley, amongst the strong, amongst the poor. This is the call. The call was not to church. He said, if any man is in Christ. So I want to ask you this morning. If you were to be given an opportunity, would you grab it? and say, am I, I want to be in Christ. I want to take on this nature of the new creation. I want when I'm down for God to fight for me like I see him fight in your lives. So I want to ask, is there any such person? Introduce me to this Jesus. You could have been in church for so many years But you have not been in in him. That's the beginning of the journey. If you are one of such people. As we go into prayer now. I want you to put up your hand. Just put it up. Let me see it. And put it back down. You are saying help me. Introduce me to Jesus. I'm going to pray two more prayers. But this is the first one. If you are one such person. Just put up your hand. Let me see it. And then bring it down. You're saying to me, Lord, my, my, my brother, if this is what it means, then I'm not in Christ. I've been in church. I didn't know it was my responsibility to lead. It has nothing to do with cleaning chairs, ushering people, fixing sound. You can do all those things. And you actually do them in more places than the church. It's more than that. It's accepting responsibility to mirror the nature of this kingdom. I said, if you are one such person, just put it up. Put put up your hand. Let me see it, and then put it back down. I'm not here to disgrace you. Just to introduce you to this life. I'm going to make one last call. If you are making this decision, just put up your hand. Perhaps you came into service just by by. You know, you were in the hotel and you heard a church was meeting here, and you decided to just settle down and and the just join. Or perhaps someone said to you, oh, Pastor Mo is doing something. Less. I like him. I mean, one day he said something that really blessed me. So let me just go and, and just see what he's doing and how it looks like. Whatever your reasons are. But when you came in, you, you found the one true God. And you are saying, I've been following this story from beginning till now. If you're that person, put up your hand. Okay, then the second call I want to make is, if, if, you've, if you've been in the Lord, but you realize now that this is what was missing, this level of synergy between you and him wasn't there, and suddenly this morning you realize, wow, this is the call. The call is not just to start all over, but the call is to, to know it is your nature, and the call is to let you know that you are a merchant of this nature, an advertiser, a dispenser of this kingdom. Paul says don't make a shipwreck of your faith in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and you will go home and read that he says of people like Hymenaeus who who have wrecked their faith, don't be like them believe the things that you hear embrace them, run with them by faith so if you are making a recovery and today you are saying I've found my way back please just bolster someone else's faith, just jump up on your feet and let's pray together You are saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for for rekindling the fires and bringing me back home. This is where I fell from. Thank you, my brother. You might not yet be in physical sin, but you know you are in a vicinity or in an area that you don't like. Because you know it's dangerous. When you camp around the fires, you get used to the warmth. And the fire doesn't become threatening anymore. If you want to stand up, can you stand up, join these brothers. I don't think there are only men in the house who are being Restored. And we have entered into recovery mode. Starting over is not a message you you, you speak to believers. For us, it's it's innate. Lions have a nature. They all roar. Uh, And you can tell them their characteristics are discernible in their roars. You can tell this this is Simba. That is Kimutsu. Whatever you name the lions, you would know by their roar. Cats meow. Dogs bark. God calls those things that be not as though they were. It's by nature for us to bring the visible out of the invisible. It's by nature for us. So get up on your feet. And thank you my sister. Is there any other person? If you are standing up for this, stand up for it only. Not for anything else. You are saying, Lord, restore me. And bring me, bring me. you brought me back. You are not asking him, restore me. You are saying, you have restored me. Because the fire is alive again. And I'm back. I'm back. Some of you, I, I, I heard the song of Solomon. Where is my beloved? Come out of your hiding place. Come out of the crack of the rocks where you have hidden. It's been a long time I haven't seen your face. Some of us, you know, it, it might look like human objects, but we're not fighting human objects, I tell you. Because the weapons they use are spiritual. They come against us indefatigably, because you, you start getting upset with a man or a woman, and you end up fighting God. and He doesn't see you anymore. The faces of his, of his word you haven't beheld for a long time. neither has he seen you. His word is the mirror, and the mirror is where we adjust ourselves. And if you haven't been there, that means he has no record of you. And some of you are going to jump up now because this is the third realm of prayer I'm going to pray. I'm asking you, some of you have found your mandate. Now you understand your calling. Paul says that when the eyes of your understanding are enlightened, you will know the hope of your calling. Now you suddenly know, this is what I ought to be doing. Whether they call you apostle or prophet or teacher or not. Whether you ever understand Greek or Hebrew or not. Suddenly now you have recovered your ministry. And you knew you had it once. And you lost it. That's why you are standing up. If you are one of those people, get up on your feet. Quickly. I've recovered it. I've found it. Now this is why he brought me here into the earth. And this is what he raised me for. I've recovered my mandate, my ministry, my calling, my hope. My joy. I've discovered my merchandise. What I buy and what I sell. I found it. This is that to which you alluded to in your poem. Come and buy. Without money. Milk. Honey. Cheese. Bread. Not just buy it, but dispense of it. Give it out. Be a trader in it. And now if you are standing with me, lift up your hands. Both hands. He loves the lifting up of holy hands. Sprinkled from guile, from evil, from wrath, from malice, from bitterness, from rancor, from self. Sprinkled from it. Sprinkled from it. Free from it. Declare your freedom. Say, Lord, I'm free. I'm free to advertise you. I'm free to sell you. I'm free to build you. To build you in this place. To build you in the next place. To build you in every place where where I'm going to go to. And it doesn't matter what I have left off. You are rekindling it. The burning embers are being fanned into a flame. Because a, a, a bruised reed you will not crush. And a smoldering flax you will not quench. You will fan it into a flame. Now I am in full flame mode. And I thank you. Lift up your voices and thank him. Just tell him I thank you. I thank you. Thank you for bringing me back. Thank you for restoring me. Thank you for giving me back hope. Thank you for making me know again what to do. Now I'm going to go out salt, seasoning my community. I'm going to go out light, illuminating my world. I will enlighten the least and the greatest, the weak and the strongest. I will be enlightening when I'm alone. I'll be enlightening when I'm hungry. I'll be enlightening when I'm in the wilderness because now I know that others are watching, others are listening to my testimony. Who is like you, Lord? There is no one like you. In heaven and on earth, there is no one like you. And beneath the earth, there is no one like you. You are on your own. You are on your own. You are on your own. Can you begin to thank God now? Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. For pulling the wool back on your eyes and and circumcising your eyes, circumcising your heart, circumcising your mind, and bringing you to a new place. hallelujah now hear what he says in second timothy chapter 2 see see what he says there he says for in a great house what are you sir a great house i said who are you i can't hear you guys i said who are you say it i'm a great house he says there are not only vessels of gold there are not only vessels of silver But there are also earthen vessels and wooden vessels. Vessels for honor and dishonor. So, is it amazing then, sir, that as great as you are, as great as I am, there are golden, earthen, wooden vessels. There are honorable things and dishonorable things. It doesn't change you. A lion is a lion, even if he's dirty. A son is a son, even if he's prodigal. That's why the father was on the street. So, what you need to do is purge yourself in accordance to your sonship. Say, I'm a great house. I can't hear you. And you are sitting down. Shout it out. Let the world hear. Even when I'm hungry, even when I'm poor, even when I'm beaten when i seem knocked down when it looks like it's all over don't treat me carelessly why even if i'm small even if i'm tall even if i'm big when i don't have children yet when i have several children when my help is far say i'm a great house Make me make a vessel, make me an offering.